Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping our church and churches, Sacred City churches, follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. We do know that we've got people that are outside of our church that listen to our podcast, and we are really thankful for you and appreciative of you you for listening. So thank you for listening. And uh, I got three dudes on the podcast with me today. Guys, you want to introduce yourself? Kevin Kenora, biblical counselor. Sam Schmidt, pastor at Sacred City Moline. Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Okay. And I'm going to kind of hand uh, the introduction of this topic over to Kevin because Kevin's the one who's bringing it to us. So, Kevin, tag, you're it. Yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of uh, this is a question. This is a topic that's come out of biblical counseling. So the more time I spend with folks in the counseling room, I've noticed, of course, a few few common themes that pop up. And so... I found one common theme is, is a difficulty understanding uh, forgiveness, right? And so this has come up through specific statements, what you might call like an explicit, I don't know how to forgive so-and-so, or I don't know how to know that I'm forgiven. Um, but also general, I'd say, patterns of behavior, right? People acting, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I've forgiven that person, but, but really holding um, bitterness against them. And so... Things like spouses holding, you might call records of wrong against each other, addicts who don't believe that they should forgive themselves for the things that they've done, the ways they've hurt their families, and uh, people just caught in patterns of sin that are struggling to believe that Christ's forgiveness is enough to cover their sins, right? Mm. And so because of these patterns, I, I thought it would be important and, and helpful to address um, more widely kind of what is forgiveness, how do we think about forgiveness, some of those things. So kind of in, in addressing the topic, um, I just want to start out, pitch it to you guys. What is forgiveness and why do we need it? I don't know. Everybody I know is perfect, so I don't know why you guys need forgiveness. We're just doing it right. You guys so. Methodist over there? No, we're mm-hmm. good here. Mm. Man, all the people that I work with, they, you know, I have to forgive them often. Yeah. So I have to learn forgiveness. Yeah, so you're an expert. Yeah. yeah. We yeah. forgive you too. I have to forgive. forgive what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Sam just said we don't. Pastors don't make mistakes. It's everybody yeah. else that makes mistakes. Obviously, uh, we're joking around, but uh, forgiveness. Well, first off, obviously, I just want to picture the cross. Mm-hmm. And in the cross, you have a vertical beam and you have a horizontal beam, mm-hmm. and forgiveness. There's a vertical aspect to it, and there's a horizontal aspect to it. And you have to start with the vertical aspect. Mm -hmm. And the vertical aspect is the reality that I didn't create myself. Mm -hmm. I did not just arrive here on my own personal planet. That I was birthed into um, a planet that God himself created. And God himself knit me together in my mother's womb. And he knew me from my mother's womb. And so... Everything I come, I come into this world owing him everything as creator. And as the perfect holy creator, I owe him perfect holy obedience. Mm-hmm. And yet, I just slightly missed that mark, mm-hmm. right? Just slightly. <laughs> like day one, I think I slightly missed it, right? Uh, but over the last 44 years, I have um, sinned against God in thought, word, and deed, literally countless times, countless times. Mm -hmm. And every act of sin, R.C. Sproul famously said, is cosmic treason. And treason deserves the death penalty. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, in our society, we think that treason is like one of the highest crimes because it's against our country, Mm -hmm. right? But even our country isn't perfect and holy, but our God is perfect and holy. Mm -hmm. So any type of treason against him is even more heinous because of his moral perfection and beauty. And so that breaking of God's standard breaks me. Mm -hmm. And we see in the garden, shame enter. Mm -hmm. So because I've, because I'm guilty before a holy God, God's wired things into his creation, like shame, like Mm -hmm. guilt. Right. And so I feel guilty. I feel, I should feel ashamed Mm -hmm. for my sins. I should be aware that there's something wrong with me. My relationship with God is broken, Mm -hmm. right? I'm going to be at odds with my creator. I'm not going to be in line with the way God created me. He created me to 
enjoy him, to glorify him and enjoy him forever. Mm -hmm. That relationship's going to be broken. I won't be able to do that. So something about like a bird is created to fly in the sky. We are created to commune with God. It's like a bird with a broken wing. That bird knows there's something wrong with it. A human being who has sin in their life should know there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't be this way. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't feel this way. My thoughts shouldn't be like this. My feelings shouldn't be. I'm disconnected. I, I'm not, I don't feel one in the world. I don't feel with one, one with God. Mm -hmm. And all of that is actually a gift of God's grace that comes first. That grace that makes us aware that there's something not right with us. And that should stir in me a desire to reconcile with my God. Mm. Obviously, the problem being is that a finite sinful creature cannot reconcile with an infinite holy God. Mm -hmm. And so God, in order to take care of this, becomes a man, Jesus Christ, yep. lives the perfect life that we all fail to live, takes the punishment for our sins for us, dies our death, mm -hmm. and then raises up to new life, fills us with the Spirit, gifts us his, the gift of his righteousness, mm -hmm. right? So he reconciles the, the work of Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection, reconciles us to the Father, mm -hmm. okay? So now, Jesus says, when he goes to the cross, he, he took my sins with him, and my sins were crucified there, and then he can give me his righteousness by faith through, through grace alone, right? Through grace alone, uh, by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. He can give that to me, and now I can be forgiven by God. When I confess my sins to God and turn from them, I can be forgiven by God. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness begins there. Mm -hmm. It begins with, I deserve death, hell, and the grave. Like every second of my day, literally, it would be just if I got hit by a dump truck when I walked out of my front door. Right. Like we are the, who is it? The, the Roadrunner road cartoon that always had the piano hanging above his head. Yeah. Like Wiley Coyote. Wiley Coyote. Yeah. Like that's an accurate picture of human beings. Mm -hmm. The wrath of God is a great stone that hangs above our head. And at any second it could be cut and crush us. And God would be totally loving and just to do that mm -hmm. because that's mm. what we deserve. Yeah. Now, Jesus pushes us out of the way, takes that rock, takes that stone, takes that smashing for us and offers us forgiveness and grace. Mm -hmm. Now, how should we respond to that? We should respond in joy, right? Because um, he, he took that pain for us. He took that shame, that suffering for us. Um, but for some reason in my mind, that just like the more I... I counsel people the more I are around other people for some reason they just get stuck in the shame mm. and I'm like in some a lot of times it's really hard to like kind of walk through some of those things because they, they can't see the freedom right they can't see the hope they can't see the joy and the love because they're so stuck in that shame and uh, I'm here to ask you like why do you feel like a lot of people stay there mm -hmm. in that shame instead of in the freedom of forgiveness well I think there's as many reasons as there are people, probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would push it over to Kevin as Kevin is dealing, you know, more hands-on with a lot of these folks. Um, if you wanted to bring in any, any thoughts from this, mm -hmm. Kevin, or I could just go off, you know, I could just riff I'll, always. But. No, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, so shame, a lot of times, a lot of times, the kind of underlying <laughs> symptom of shame can be a form of pride. Right. Mm. It, instead of man, yeah, you know, like this, this shame, this guilt moves me to repentance. It becomes man. I have sinned so greatly that not even the blood of Jesus could possibly forgive me. Now right. nobody says that. Nobody says that out loud. But functionally, that's how they live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you when you dig into it, a lot of times, <clears throat> it becomes almost a, a functional worldview where Christ's death didn't, in their mind, didn't get them sufficient justice. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of take it out on themselves. It's kind of like, I'm a worm, right? It's yeah. a, a long standing mindset. Yeah. <clears throat> so that becomes, sorry, um, 
in, in a sense, that becomes a lack of self-forgiveness, right? Mm. And so that is just as, I, I would say, just as um, offensive in the eyes of God as not forgiving your brother or sister in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Because Christ died for you just the same as he died for your brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on there mm-hmm. in that. But the, I think we, we need to understand God's justice yeah. in a better light. Mm-hmm. We need to understand why, why was it required that Jesus come and die? Mm-hmm. Why, why was it required that Jesus was perfect? Yeah. Why did it require that, you know, <clears throat> the sinless son of God to pay for our sins? So the Old Testament talks about no man can pay for another's sin. Mm. And the, the reason being, it's a life for a life, yeah. right? And I owe God a death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, because I've sinned for myself, I owe him a death. So I could never pay for your sin, Alex. Mm-hmm. Because if I died for you, I would just be paying for my own sin. Right. So I can't pay for your sin. You're going to have to pay for your sin, mm-hmm. right? Because you've sinned before God. The wages of sin is death. So if you've sinned, you've earned death. Right. So Jesus had to come as a perfect sinless mm-hmm. son of God. Mm-hmm. And he lives this perfect life to show us how we should live and to um, earn God's pleasure. And this is his um, active righteousness, right? Mm-hmm. And then when he takes upon the sins of the elect and he goes to the cross and he, to, to satisfy his father's wrath, all of God's anger towards the sin of his elect was satisfied mm-hmm. on the cross. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What does that mean? That means every ounce of God's anger towards his children has been satisfied. Yeah. It's gone. Mm-hmm. He has no more anger towards his children. Mm-hmm. He has pleasure. He has delight. He has love. He has acceptance because Christ has earned it perfectly for him. Right, okay? Yeah. So when, when Jesus says, you're forgiven, right? When we believe the gospel and we are forgiven, mm-hmm. the only appropriate response is joy, thanksgiving, and worship. And we know in the joy of the Lord is our strength, mm-hmm. right? If a person wants to beat themselves up over it, right? Mm-hmm. What they're doing is functionally saying, Jesus, your sacrifice wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. What God, in order to satisfy the wrath of God, I needed Jesus's death on the cross. Plus, I need to beat myself up for a week or two. So Jesus plus works. Mm. Jesus plus works. Jesus plus plus self-flagellation. Yep. Right? You're just beating yourself on your back, basically, and saying, I really need to suffer. I need to suffer more. Mm-hmm. No, Christ suffered perfectly in your place. Yeah, that's good. Right? So see your sin crucified on the cross. Mm-hmm. See your sin, you know, nailing the hands of Jesus to the cross. See mm-hmm. your sins with the, with the thorns going onto his skull, right? Mm-hmm. See your sin doing that. He suffered for you. Yeah. He took your pain. Mm-hmm. He took your punishment. Right, the chastisement that brought us peace was put upon him. Right by his stripes, we are healed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we we think that maybe God wants us to feel bad. You know, and I'm not saying like, oh yeah, you sinned. Oh yeah, we just oh I'm 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 sorry, Lord, please repent, and then we just skip off. Right. Obviously, there's consequences to our sin. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. and we are to hate our sin, but. There is something of the flesh in what you're describing. Mm-hmm. A refusal to forgive myself. More than likely, what that means is you have such high standards for yourself, you actually think that you should be holier than you are, mm-hmm. or you think you are more righteous than you are. Yeah. And so what happens is your sin actually surprised you. <laughs> You yep. got slapped in the face with it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, man. And, and what is that? That means mm. that's your pride. Yeah. 
I can't believe I did this again. Am I really the type of person mm-hmm. who did this again? Yeah. You should be better than yeah, this. Yes, you should be better than this. Like, <clears throat> so guys, if you kind of look at it in a different way, it's like God has such low standards for us that he, he writ himself in the story because he knew we couldn't do it, right? Yeah, or God had such infinitely high standards and we couldn't fill. We could never do it. Yeah. So we're always going to feel like sinners. And so Christ came, filled, filled it for us mm-hmm. and gives us grace. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So, so to your point, Tate, I'd ask that person struggling with, with the shame and the guilt and all this stuff. Okay, so who is your accuser, mm. right? Um, because a lot of times along the lines of that pride, along the lines of being surprised by your own sin, there's also a spiritual warfare dynamic where you have Satan whispering in your ear going, man, aren't you supposed to be a Christian? You should be ashamed. Like, Christ couldn't possibly have died for that one, right? Yeah. So there's also a strong, I would say, spiritual warfare element where Satan's trying to sweep you up and get you to grovel in that. Yeah. Was Was it Martin Luther who said... When the devil throws your sin in your face, you say, yes, so what? <laughs> Christ died for me. Yes. You know, and he famously said, like, something about, like, sin boldly just to make the devil mad or something like that. Yeah. And he, Sounds like a warrior. Yeah. And it was, he's not saying just go out there and sin, but he's, he, what, he's wanting us to see that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin, past, present, future. Yeah. It yeah. cleanses us from the penalty of sin, mm-hmm. right? Death and, and shame is, is part of that penalty as well. Yeah. Um, we see that, that, that God clothes Adam and Eve in the garden. He covers their shame, right? Mm-hmm. And so the righteousness of Christ is meant to cover our shame. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we need to be able to <clears throat> talk back mm-hmm. to the enemy in our own minds. And that enemy, you could say that's Satan. You could say it's a demon. You could say it's your own flesh. It's probably all three. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's condemning you. Mm-hmm. You know, even if my heart condemns me, right? Mm-hmm. Paul says, like sometimes our heart can condemn us, and we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. Yeah, that's good. Um, I am not a man condemned. I don't know what that song that is, but I just hear it. I hear it. Um, Sam, you probably know it. I don't. Maybe I'm putting you on the spot, but that no. <clears throat> I am not a man condemned. Jesus Christ is my righteousness. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so we have to preach the gospel to ourselves. And there's a lot of reasons why this is important. Um, Nailed to the cross. The song was nailed to the cross. I could hear it in my head, but (laughs) I don't dare sing it. (laughs) One of the reasons this is so important, excuse me, is because our intimacy with the Father, our relationship with the Father can be affected by how forgiven we feel mm-hmm. yeah i was just gonna touch on that here in a minute because a lot of this is dealing with the objective reality of if i am in christ mm-hmm. i have received forgiveness from god right. but then there's this subjective side this emotive side of well i don't always feel that way mm-hmm. yeah. and there are things like of course you go back to adam and eve in the garden they felt shame like those are emotive sort of prompts in your soul and your heart where you feel they feel guilt they those things are still very much a, a reality but a lot of times the feeling of unforgiveness can trump the the objective reality of forgiveness and i think one of the reasons why even in the language that we use to talk about forgiveness there it, there's an economic illustration in it so even in the lord's prayer forgive us our debts as we forget our forgive our debtors right. Um, we, we talk about sin as, as accruing a moral debt against God. Um, even talking about forgiveness is like earning forgiveness or the idea of earning righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's all like this, this economic sort of system. And, and that brings us into a real, uh, tangible world. It brings us into the world of, of ones and zeros in a sense of, of, I have a, there's a, a sum that has been accumulated and just like with my bank account, there's a statement that tells me how much I've got in there, how much I owe, where my bills need to go. Those are real numbers that have to be dealt with, and there's money there to pay it. There's mm-hmm. money there to pay the debt. And, and to think of forgiveness in those really s- solid terms, economic terms, helps us to see that it's not just about the emotive. It's not just about the subjective un- like feeling of forgiveness. Yeah. It's concrete. Yeah, the forensic nature mm-hmm. of forgiveness. Um, 
how do you de define, Google that for me, how do you define that word forensic? forensic? Yeah. And all the one, here's what we need to know here. All of the ones and zeros that Sam's talking about have been taken care of. Like Christ has paid for every single one of our sins. Mm -hmm. Even the ones, you know, many people can forgive themselves. I've, I've met from their sins like before Christ, but it's the sins after Christ that they've come to Christ. Those are the ones that they really beat themselves up over mm. because they, and some of it might be a bad theology. Maybe they have a, you know, this idea of moral perfection that, that some sects of Christianity embrace that um, once you come to Christ and you have the spirit of God in you, you, you can reach some level of moral perfectibility, mm -hmm. right? That, you know, I, I've been famously said, I, I thought that when I was 18 years old, like eventually I'd come to a place that I didn't sin anymore. Yeah. And the reason I thought that is because I didn't really understand what sin was. Yeah. yeah. I thought sin was just messing around with your girlfriend or, you know, doing some, saying some cuss words and doing some bad things. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how all sin first begins with breaking the first commandment and not loving God yeah. with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, basically, right? Like, yeah. so we, we make something more important than God, namely an idol. We, we make an idol. Yeah. I didn't understand that, how that happened in the human heart, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm, I'm actually never, if you really forensically want to talk about it, I'm never worshiping God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that word forensic it means it, it's relating to courts of law, right? So it's relating to a legal standing. There you mm -hmm. go. <clears throat> and so in Sam's illustration of the numbers, the numbers, the debt's been paid for, and the forensic nature of forgiveness, the law courts, you've been declared guilty, mm -hmm. and yet your punishment has been taken mm -hmm. by Christ, and now Christ says, forgiven. Yeah, I remember yeah. you had a sermon illustration along those lines a few months back, just just setting the scene of a courtroom and getting called to court for a massive debt that you couldn't pay. And you said, you know, you walk into the courtroom kind of shaking and nervous, and the declaration of the judge is paid in full. And you're like, what? Right? Yeah. Just Christ taking that debt in your place. Yeah. That's good. And obviously Jesus said, to whom, um, to whom much is forgiven, mm -hmm. loveth much. Yeah. Right? And of course, that's King James Version because that's what I memorized it when I was a kid. Yeah. But, um, and what does that mean? That means the bigger debt that you owed when Jesus pays it, it increases your love for God. Mm -hmm. yeah. So your, your dump truck of sin, the bigger that is, the greater your love and appreciation for God yeah. is going to be. But we, should, we, we have all sinned a lot, so it's not just the addicts that are coming out that should be praising and worshiping God. It should be the, the lawyer as well that have been sinning, sin, sinning behind the scenes that their life looks great, but you're still just as much of a sinner as the other person is. Yeah. So we should all be giving God the glory and worshiping him. We should. We should. But those addicts and prostitutes and things, Jesus said, this is why the prostitutes enter into the kingdom before the religious leaders before mm. the righteous yeah. because people that really think highly of themselves aren't willing to humble themselves and see themselves accurately. They're, they're blind. Like mm. the Pharisees. Remember when, when Jesus said, no, no, you claim to see, yeah. mm -hmm. which is even worse than being blind. Like mm -hmm. you claim to see, right? Ooh. And so you're ultimately spiritually blind. And so when people are puffed up in their own conceit, when they're, when they think highly of themselves, they're claiming to see, they don't think they need forgiveness mm. and it shows that they're actually spiritually blind. Right. And that's a very dangerous place to be. So in yeah. some sense, man, God letting you run your life off a, a cliff, you know, with drugs or addict or whatever that is. Sometimes that is the thing that he has to do in order to get you to wake up in order to see that, that you have a great need yeah. and that Jesus is that great savior for your great need. Yeah, okay? yeah I, think, uh, I think Romans 1 talks about claiming to be wise that became fools, right? So just exchanging something like the image of the immortal God for creation, right? So exchanging, saying, oh, no, you know, believing yourself to be wise and, and condemning yourself by it in a sense. 
Um, so one thing I'm thinking about <clears throat> as we're talking about this, and, and tell me what you think, but it sounds like we're saying that people have a really high view of their own sin. So Tate talking about shame and guilt, but at the same time, a low view of Christ's ability to forgive and pay for that sin. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I think if you have too high of an anthropology, mm-hmm. you will have too low of a Christology. Mm. Flush that out. So anthropology is the study of man. So if you think that, you know what, you're a pretty good person, and man, compared to all these people that I know, I sit in missional community, and I hear these people with all their problems, and I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Don't they know they could just read their Bible and do better? You know, like mm-hmm. kind of kind of a mentality. You think that Jesus, G, if you would really look at the cross, you would go, what an overreaction. Mm-hmm. I didn't need Jesus to die for me. <laughs> if he would have came and just given me one more book of the Bible, I think I could have made it on my own. Ooh. You know what I mean? If he would have came and told me, like Jocko does, that all I got to do is wake up at 4.30 every morning and work hard and put in the time, I think I could have done that, Right? So you have too high view. You don't actually see yourself dead in your trespasses. Or at one time, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Mm -hmm. Like spiritually dead, unable to please God. You were his enemy. If you don't see that, and then the grace of God brought you back to life. Mm -hmm. You have, so so let's just say you have too high of an anthropology, okay? You'll have too low of a Christology. Mm -hmm. Jesus, man, you won't really see what he did for you, yeah. right. his moral perfection, and then his humility in, in taking on your sin. And it's just like a guy, man, this is kind of the exact story of an older guy that got baptized a couple weeks ago, where he, he came to me afterwards, we sang uh, Amazing Grace, mm-hmm. and I preached on um, the, the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees and stuff, and he came to me afterwards with tears in his eyes, and he said, I... I've sang, sung Amazing Grace a bunch, and I never really liked it. <laughs> and I never really understood what it meant. I once was blind, but now I see. Yeah. And he's like, but now I get it. That's yeah. good. Right? And Praise when God. the scales come off our eyes, we see ourselves worse than we previously thought, but we see Christ as far more beautiful than we previously thought. Yeah, yeah that's okay? good. So I think like we were talking about like ourselves and our relationship with God, but what about when others, like when we offend others or they offend us, they need forgiveness and we need forgiveness. Um, what does that look like in a, if it's, if it's for safety reason, if there's rape or something like that, what, what, what are the, can we flush some of those things out? Alex always just goes to 11. <laughs> <laughs> I stay there, bro. Jesus um, Christmas, dude. Just... Our people, okay. our people need help, man. Bro, people are in the, their minivan with their kids. <laughs> like, okay, so the reason we start with the vertical dimension of forgiveness, yeah. and this, this is why, people who do not, people who are not forgiven by God, mm-hmm. or they are not aware of the depth of their forgiveness by God, mm-hmm. yeah, they don't. Feel forgiven mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. God. They're not. They don't. They don't know that they're forgiven. Those people won't have the resources to forgive other people. Mm. Yeah. They won't. Wow. They will be many times. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways this this can go. Judgmental, nitpicking, mm-hmm. wrathful, angry, bitter, harboring, mm-hmm. clamorous. Slanderous. Slanderous, just like, because, I mean, it's just, if we could watch ourselves, if we were a movie, a character in a movie, and we watched ourselves commit some heinous sin, we're right there about to be judged for it, the the electric chair is right next to, Mm. like, we're getting judged, we're going to the electric chair, and then Jesus jumps in and takes it, mm-hmm. and he says to us, "He says to us, as I have forgiven you, yeah. you forgive your brother." Yeah. Wow. And then we weep and we cry and we thank him and we oh, and then we walk out, and then we look around and we're like, "Where's the car?" And, and your husband's like, "What do you mean? 
we parked over there. We didn't park over there. I told you to park right there. And we and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm sorry, honey. Yeah, you always do this. You but we would hate yeah. that person yeah. that we're watching in the movie. Yeah. yeah. We would go, what a piece of crap. Mm. Yeah. They just got forgiven. All of that. They were about to go to the electric chair, right. and now they walk out. Where's the minivan? And they're, they're fighting over the parking spot or whatever it is. They're fight, fighting over. And the, and the, but guys, that is what we do yes. so often. Yeah. And my, so my my the reason I want to drill down deep on the vertical aspect of our forgiveness yep. is because if you are not like vitally aware of the debt you owe to God and yet the debt that he paid for you, mm-hmm. then you are going to be that wicked debt collector mm. who's always trying to get every penny out of the people that owe you mm-hmm. an ounce of forgiveness. Yeah. yeah. So the vertical aspect has to be dealt with before we can get to the horizontal aspect, mm-hmm. but the vertical aspect necessitates the horizontal aspect of forgiveness. Mm. Jesus said, like, if you're not forgiven your brother then you're not forgiven. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're forgiven by God, you have to forgive your brother. Yeah. How often, the disciple said, how often do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times Seven. 70. Yeah, which is basically forever, yeah. as many as you can, the perfect number, right? Mm-hmm. So as often as they sin against you, you have to forgive them. And I, I think your question, Tate, it kind of, um, it, it kind of nips at, the real question in instances like that, the underlying assumption tends to be, well, if I forgive, then there's no consequences, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think it tends to um, fall Hold on. off. Mm-hmm. Let's just go off that right there. Yeah. If I forgive, there is no consequences. Mm-hmm. Our job is not to give people consequences, mm-hmm. unless they're our children, <laughs> right? Yeah. And we're disciplining them. <clears throat> Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Yeah. And again, every time we fail to forgive someone, we become functional atheists. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What 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 Kevin is describing is the, here's what I here how I would say it. That guy that guy sinned against me. That guy's a jerk. He slandered me. I'm never gonna talk to that guy again. I hate that guy. I'm not gonna forgive him. Mm-hmm. Okay. For me to do that, I have to believe that God is, Jesus, isn't really on the throne. Mm. And he's not going to take care of me. And he's not going to fight my battles. And he's not going to judicially rule his universe. Mm. He promises you reap what you sow. You break God's laws, they break you. That guy slanders, that guy's going to get something from God. Mm -hmm. Right? God's going to deal with that. God, God judges people from heaven all the time. So I have to be. So if I if I say, "Oh man, if I forgive him, he's just going to get off easy," mm-hmm. what I'm functionally saying is I don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that Jesus is in heaven doing what Jesus says he's doing right now. Right. And so what do I got to do? Oh, I got to do it. Taking your own hands. I got to be the judge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got to be the jury. I got to gossip and slander about that person. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so what I do. It started with unbelief. See, my first sin was unbelief there. I, did, I became a functional atheist. Yeah. Then my second sin is slander. I do the same stupid thing. Mm-hmm. I slander my, I slander in myself, right? Or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I refuse to forgive. And again, this is a phenomenal analogy. I don't know who came up with it. We've probably all heard it before. But unforgiveness is like drinking poison mm-hmm. and expecting the other person to die. Because unforgiveness itself is a sin. So me not forgiving someone is a sin that's going to damage my own soul. Mm -hmm. And that's going to come out in my relationship with God. It's going to come out in my relationship with my wife, my kids, other people. It's going to do damage. It's going to give me anxiety. It's going to give me me fear. It's going to increase my shame. It's going to do all kind of damage to the soul that God made. Because I'm not meant to walk around with unforgiveness in my soul. So you can forgive, right? But what does the relationship piece look like? Do you have to be best friends? Can you keep them at a distance? Can you love from a distance? I mean, you could forgive them but not be around them. What, what does that piece look like? I think a lot of people get that confused. Yeah, so there's, a, a, you know, 
Forgiveness has nothing, to, in one sense, has nothing to do with reconciliation. It does, uh, that's, that's overstatement. It does have something to do with reconciliation, but they are two different things. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, David's, <clears throat> I could pray, Lord, I forgive him. He sinned against me. He done me wrong. I forgive him. I know that you have paid for that debt, and it, and it, or you will pay him back mm -hmm. for that debt. So I now, I now trust you to be the, the bringer of justice, right? And then I could pray, and I hope you smash his teeth in. David did. That's exactly what David prayed. Yep. Smash the teeth of the wicked, mm -hmm. Lord. Bring down your justice upon him. Mm -hmm. Just walk around with gums. <laughs> Gums. <laughs> yeah. Jello yeah. for the rest of your life. <laughs> Yogurt. Yeah. But but that gets at kind of the second second piece of where I was going. You know, you brought up some some fairly graphic sins. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. For those those in the minivan, I'll soften the blow a little bit. Forgive but, me. But um, <clears throat> we've said before on other podcasts there are real-world consequences, right? I think Romans 13, God has given the civil magistrate to swing the sword, right? So things like murder have legal implications. And so I don't think we would say forgiveness means, you know, if, if somebody murders your spouse, I don't think we'd say forgiveness means, ah, oh, well, I forgive you, and so I'm not going to press charges, right? Mm. Right. Which I think is, is where that functional atheism comes in, where people assume... Well, if I forgive, then I'm not allowed to pursue the laws. Yeah. Right? No, that's not. Yeah, that's definitely not true. Right. You you can forgive someone and sue their pants off in court. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> Especially if they had, um, if they stole something from you or you know something like that. You you have every legal right to use every legal tool at your disposal to <clears throat> to um, get your recompense. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But that, again, that's not, you can forgive someone and still sue their pants off. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Now, yeah. there are some things, though, okay, so maybe, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. So there are some times where you can choose, as Jesus said, to give them your cloak. Mm -hmm. Like if a guy steals, um, what was it? Jesus says, if he steals something from you, give him your cloak also or whatever. He's, I can't remember what the, the two items were off the top of my head. So there, there's, there's sometimes where, where the Spirit of God will tell you, no, I don't want you to sue them. Mm -hmm. I want you to take the loss and, um, and let me take care of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there, there, will be, there will be times like that. <clears throat> you, know? Um, you know, I've personally, I, I, I can't remember, I, I, there's been a couple different times where I chose not to prosecute someone because mm -hmm. they were a Christian and, or they claimed to be a Christian, let's say. And I think one of them was a guy that had a rental property of mine mm -hmm. and he basically owed me thousands of dollars and, and I felt bad to kick him out for a long time because he had a family and stuff. And, oh yeah, I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay. And he never paid. And I, I could have took that guy. I should, you know, I could have, I would say I should have, you know, <laughs> kind of wish I didn't have a, no. He's like, I need that money. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I chose not mm -hmm. to prosecute. I mm -hmm. chose just to let Jesus take it and yep. let, let Jesus find a different way to, to channel those resources back to me if he, if he, if he chose to. So there's, there's definitely some times where you can make the, the Christian, you can take the Christian conviction and say, I'm going to take the loss on this and mm -hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to prosecute this person. Yeah. 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 And so thinking through now, we, we've covered a lot of them. Um, what I might call pitfalls to forgiveness, but one, one of the most common um, excuses is, well, I don't know how to forgive, right? And so would we, to what extent would we allow this in, in a younger believer Maybe, maybe the excuse is, well, you know, I've never seen it modeled. I don't know how. How would we confront that? Well, I would first say I would want them to describe the vertical aspects mm -hmm. of forgiveness that they claim to know. Yep. And then I would say Can that's... Can do likewise? 
I would say that sounds like a great description of forgiveness, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like Jesus has modeled it perfectly for you. <laughs> yeah. So you should do more of that. Yeah. Um, I, I think most of the time that's not, I don't know. I'm, I don't think that's, that's true yeah. most of the time. No, I'd agree. I think it's just an easy out um, to excuse the fact that we don't want to forgive. Yeah. I am unwilling is really what it you know, I just boils down don't to. want to. It's like, I don't know how to dig a hole. Have you ever dug a hole? No. Never seen it modeled. So I'm, it's like, well, why don't you try? Stick the pointy end in the earth. <laughs> <laughs> try to do it. And then we can work with that yeah. and improve. And it doesn't take you long. I mean, digging a hole is not that complicated. And honestly, neither is forgiving. Yeah. Neither is forgiving. It's not complicated. I think when you look at it, too, it's a lot of people don't want to forgive because it's going to cost them something. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's going to cost them their, like their pride, their, their ego. It's mm-hmm. going to cost them maybe to be in the area around them instead of pushing them away from, um, pushing away from community and things like that. And the more you see that, that's, it's going to cost them something, so they don't want to give it up. Okay. <clears throat> that's a good point. Forgiveness does cost us something. Yes. It costs Jesus something. Right? He had to absorb yeah. our pain. Mm-hmm. It costed him something. So when we forgive, in one sense, we are taking up our cross mm-hmm. and following Jesus. Mm-hmm. We absorb that ugly word. Mm-hmm. We just absorb it. This is why love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. If you're going to be a good leader of people, you have got to be good at forgiving and you've got to be so quick at forgiving that your love can absorb other people's sins. Mm-hmm. So you're like, hey, did you hear what they said? I'm like, yeah, no big deal. It's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you can't be a person that just avoids everything. I'm yeah. not saying that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I could have took offense at that, but nah, I, I choose not to take offense at that. Right? Mm -hmm. So love covers a multitude of sins. I think if I'm aware of how much God's forgiven me, I can walk around literally feeling forgiven, and it makes me able to absorb people's sins against me in a different way. Yeah. And and you gotta learn how to do this if you're gonna be be married. Yeah. Amen. Like if you're like every single thing, honey, that bothered me. I need you to repent. Like, what? well, goodness gracious, man. <laughs> like, you know, like some things you're like, yep, she was up at 2 a.m. last night. I need to give her a whole lot of grace. Mm-hmm. Or he worked a long day. Mm-hmm. I need to give him some grace. Yep. Yeah. Right? And yep. love covers a multitude of sins, which is like, to me, it's like um, the first 10 to 20% of forgiveness. Like, I just naturally forgive. Mm. Right? And then if it, if it keeps happening over and over and over, okay, now I got to confront it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and then I have to actually get in there and actually do some hard work of um, talking to person, reckon, you know, whatever, having a conversation, mm-hmm. and then I might need to actually name it and forgive it. Yeah. But confronting it, confronting it isn't like you holding on so so long, and then it, you hold it inside, and then you just blow up. So right. so in that moment, you're reacting instead of responding. We want to be able to respond and be able to have that loving conversation in a nice, firm way instead of. That's blowing up point. on someone. And so when I said the first 20% of love, love just covers a multitude of sins. What I don't mean is you just keep track of all of those things in your head and you don't say anything. So then when it, when something finally happens, you've got a list of 20 things that you can bring up. Or because, a spreadsheet of receipts. Guess what? <laughs> love, love keeps no record of wrongs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you haven't been actually forgiving. You haven't actually been absorbing that pain and absorbing that wrath and just letting it go and easy, quick to forgive. You've been keeping a record of wrongs so that you could bring out the forensic nature of your, Mm -hmm. of your desire to be, um, you want a pound of their flesh. Basically you Mm, need them, you know, you've been keeping this record of wrongs and you need them to acknowledge it. So, well, you want them to pay for their sins, right? The, The example of the pound of flesh is you owe me a debt, pay it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, that, that destroys marriages, man. 
That destroys marriages. Mm-hmm. And MCs. Yeah, and, and churches. Relationships. And churches. Yes. Societies. The list goes on. Yeah. So, in, in thinking about this, I want to think in, in generational terms, right? So kind of the reason I posed that last question about the excuse of, well, I've, I've never seen it modeled. Um, at best, maybe that can be you grew up in a home, maybe you're a first-generation Christian, not excusing it, but maybe you've never seen it modeled by your parents, right? And so as we're, we're passing on the covenantal line, the name, all of these things, um, covenant succession, how should we be thinking about modeling and discipling our children to be people who intentionally understand repentance, understand forgiveness, and live according to it? We've done podcasts on discipline, and we did a parenting conference that spent a lot of specific time on the nature Mm -hmm. of how we discipline our children um, and and how we spank and and different things. And this is why spanking your child and the way that we teach it, the Bible teaches it, is so formative Mm -hmm. and life-giving for a child. Because we're literally in this process teaching them the joys of confession, forgiveness, reconciliation, and restored fellowship. Mm -hmm. So this little sinner has broken fellowship with the family, right? They're throwing throwing stuff at dinner and they're yelling or whatever. We've warned them they didn't. Okay, now you, you continue to disobey me go to my room. We take them upstairs and <clears throat> we say, what does the Bible say? Mm-hmm. Children obey your parents so it will go well for you. Were you obeying your parents? No. What were you doing? They name their sin, right? They're confessing. They're confessing right there. Yeah. Yes, you're right. That's exactly what you did. I hate to do this, but God tells me I have to discipline you and, or I, I you know, I don't enjoy inflicting pain on you, but I have to do this. God does it to us. I do it to you. He says, every father who loves their son disciplines their son, so I have to discipline you mm-hmm. for this sin. And so, whatever. <coughs> Lay over my knees. You're, taking, you're getting two swats, right? Pop, pop. They take that punishment, mm-hmm. okay? They, they take the discipline. They cry. It's the end of the world. <clears throat> and then you look them in the face and you say, I love you. I forgive you. Mm-hmm. I hope I never have to do this again. Yeah. And you embrace them. And that's and you tell them, I am no longer angry at you. Mm-hmm. You are no longer on the outs of our family. You are no, we are no longer frustrated with you. Yeah. You have been reconciled 100% back into the family mm-hmm. in, this, in this situation. We're in right relationship now. You hug them. Are you okay? Are you good? Yeah, you know, and you and you make sure that their attitude has changed. If their attitude has not changed, then the discipline hasn't taken its full full effect. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if when their attitude changes, they, they come back to the dinner table, right? Mm-hmm. And you act like it never happened, right? You're 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 happy with them, mm-hmm. right? You don't have bad attitudes. You're not quick. You're not bringing it back up right there in the fellowship. And that kid knows he was a little sinner, a little destroyer of the peace, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, about the Pax Romana, like yeah. this is the, the Pax Dean, like this is, the, we have a peaceful, then you've been destroying the peaceful dinner table that we had. Yeah. And you got your discipline because of it. And now we have forgiven you. Yeah. So you're restored. As long as you're going to keep the peace, you're, you're restored to right relationship. Mm-hmm. And you go on. Yeah. You can go get ice cream later. You can, yeah. you don't. Now, any parent that wants to drag out that punishment and no, because you've been a butt all day, you've been, you know, like that parent is teaching unforgiveness yeah. to their child. Yeah. yeah. Right. Once the discipline has taken place, there is no more debt. There is full reconcil- reconciliation. Right. Just as Christ and the Father is now pleased with us after Christ's death and resurrection, after their discipline, Christ or you should be pleased with them. Yeah, yeah that's right? good. And so that simple process should teach a child the joys of both repentance. Yes. First off, the standard, repentance, faith, forgiveness, mm-hmm. reconciliation. Yeah, that's good. Right? Yeah. And that that's... Um, yeah, I think that's a healthy way to 
model forgiveness and then for a child to learn forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah, I think even with sibling stuff, what you're talking about, like the first 20%, uh, it's just covered in love. It's like, how do you help your kids develop thick skin towards one another? You know, like that gospel skin where, okay, yep, they did that. I could take offense. I choose not to. Right. This is part of the give and take of of being siblings. Like, I'm going to do stuff that, and helping kids navigate, is this really a big deal? This is something that I really need to cry about? Is this something I need to throw a fit about? Do I need to hold my brother contempt over? And helping them navigate those sort of things. But then actually using, in our house, um, using forgiveness language, like biblical language of Mm -hmm. forgiveness of, I sinned against you, the confession Will you forgive me? Asking for forgiveness, ex- acknowledging yep. the debt has occurred. Will you cover my debt? Yes, I forgive you. Rather than just saying, yeah, it's okay. Like, no, I'm actively forgiving you. Yeah. And then, okay, the, the accounts are settled now. We're not going to hold this against each other. We're going to move forward, and our relationship is going to be stronger because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we- if you can start teaching that stuff when they're young, it becomes so much easier when you actually start experiencing, like, real heartache and real hardship and real sin that... It can, I mean, sin that could potentially destroy relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You should be able to see in your children if they're quick to forgive yeah. or if they want to harbor forgiveness, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And you, sh- you got you to deal with that. So we, we do the same thing that you just described. And, we're like, and it's always like, no, look her in the face. Yep. No, say, I sinned against you. <clears throat> I am sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> right? No, I am sorry. Mm-hmm. Will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And then the other person can't say, it's fine. Like, that's what yep. they want to say. Well, it's fine. Yeah, no big whatever. deal. No, 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 no. It is a big deal. Yeah. It's a sin. Say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Okay, boom. Full restoration right now. Let's go. Like, and hug just, it out. Hug, we don't always make them <laughs> hug it out. But it's over. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's over. Yeah. Where unchristian families just drag that stuff around with mm-hmm. them their whole life, all the time. Mm-hmm. And they're always wondering... Am I in? Am I out? You know, am I good? Am I bad? Mm -hmm. Well, Christianity has given us this means of grace where we always know, right? You know, like um, we confess, we're forgiven. Yeah. So again, everything, all the, the horizontal aspects of forgiveness are rooted in the vertical aspects Mm -hmm. of forgiveness. Yeah. That's good. All right. Is that it? Is that all you got for us, Kev? That's it. Okay. All right. Podcast number one on forgiveness. So hopefully this was a benefit and a blessing to you. If it was, give us a like, give us a comment, give us a subscribe, share it with your friends. And um, if you got any more questions, I know I'm getting a lot more questions these days, so I really appreciate that. We're going to do our best to get to them as soon as possible. But we really appreciate you guys. We love you. We're praying for you. God bless. (laughs) 